Hello and welcome to yet another episode of the Silmarillion Film Project. I am your co-host Dave Kale and I am excited because tonight we are talking Frame Story for Season 5. We're in Season 5, right? Is it still I Season 5? Okay, good. Yeah. Okay, good. Yeah. Right, just making sure. Uh, I wasn't sure if we had we were already in season twenty yet. <laughs> right, um, season five. I mean, like the way that we keep changing this, the way that we approach the seasons keeps adding more and more sessions to every season. So it kind of feels yeah. like we should be done with season five, but uh, not yeah, quite yet. Certain certain malcontents that uh, keep advocating for splitting seasons. <laughs> and That's around. true. <laughs> but like, no, no one, no one, no one who would be identifable on the no, uh, no. On, the stream, on the live stream tonight. So. Definitely not. Not naming names. So. <laughs> no, <laughs> it's Nick. <laughs> right. Uh, uh, who's actually, joining us tonight? By the way, that's right. I, I'm sorry to inform you guys. Very sorry to inform you guys that uh, Marie and I were doing a a calculation, and our most conservative estimate. Is about twenty five seasons. Twenty five seasons. Okay. Okay. Without without like skipping huge chunks of the story. Sounds about right. Sounds about right. I think that was about the ballpark that I was thinking. And considering that we're moving forward at what about like uh, a year and a quarter per season or so at this point, <laughs> that uh, that sets us back a bit. Uh, twenty more years. Um, so about. 25 more actual chronological years worth of uh, getting through the 20 seasons. So the good news is we'll probably live that long, uh, most of us. So I plan on it. Yeah. Yeah, me too. Me too. Uh, I don't so... know about you, but I plan on living forever, so. <laughs> okay. I don't. But I do plan on living 25 years, so uh, that, that should be fine. That should be fine. I'll be. Plans, uh... plans of that kind nearly always work out. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Really well. Yeah. That's I, my if experience. it works for Commander Riker, it works for me. So, you know. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. Yeah. But no, it's um, it's it's you know, so far people have been laughing at me for a, a while about all of these ridiculously long-term projects that I have embarked upon. But so far, so good. I mean, I remember. You know, Dave, back when we first started Riddles in the Dark, I remember having conversations with like some of the uh, like, you know, Signum people at the time. And they're being like, you know, are you sure you're going to be able to because, you know, if you start this, you really need to keep it going for three full years. Like, are you going to be able to stick with this for three full years? And now I'm like, please, three years. That was a that was a blink of an eye, you know, um, adorable. But yeah. So, no, we're 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 going strong. It's true. That's true. That's impressive. Some impressive staying power. Yeah. Yeah. No, we're, I, you know, I don't have any reason to think certainly this and exploring the Lord of the Rings. And of course, Mythgard Academy is completely open-ended. So, uh, you know, those three, I have no reason to think I won't still be doing all three of these broadcasts when I'm like 70. So there you are. So it's, it'll be fine. It'll be fine. Um, but, um, yeah, actually, it was fun. I saw I just did this past week. I just did an interview uh, with the Nerd of the Rings YouTube channel. Uh, Matt, the host of the Nerd of the Rings, had me on his show. And um, uh, we were ta- actually talking about film film quite a bit. Uh, his uh, his viewers were really fascinated by the film film project. So I was, I'm like, hey, plenty of space. Still time to jump in. Not quite at the ground floor, but you could still probably get in, you know, fairly low down, you know, if uh, if you jump in now. Uh 
Baron and Luthien, Baron and Luthien coming right up. Absolutely, that's a that's certainly a moment to jump in if ever there were. But that's we true. we should probably move on towards what we're meant to talk about tonight, which means that first I need to do my announcements, which are not too many, just two things, both of which I've talked about before, but wanted to remind folks about first Mythmoot coming up. I announced Mythmoot. I don't know if I've talked about Mythmoot at Silm Film actually, but I've been talking about it at my other broadcasts. So Mythmoot Eight, the world ahead. Uh, as in home is behind the world ahead and there are many paths to tread. We're thinking about the future and we're thinking about uh, literary depictions of the future. Um, uh, so that's going to be the end of June, June 24th to 27th, back to our regular June time frame uh, for MythMoot. Uh, Moot Hub and MootCast registration is available now. Um, MythMoot is probably uh, going to be fully digital again this year. I'm still not totally closing the door. It's, you know, June, we're going to wait and see what things look like, if there's any chance of our uh, doing some kind of hybrid thing uh, with Mythmoot. Um, we'll make a final determination on that at the end of March. But in the meantime, we know that the digital registration is definitely happening. Um, and if we end up doing any hybrid thing, we'll have an upgrade, um, you know, for folks who have already enrolled um, digitally so that'll be uh that'll be that'll be fine but um in any case Corey, what's the uh what's the gandalf quote again something about little hope but not no hope. not no ho- that's exactly what i've been quoting yes i have little hope but not no hope that i can that's exactly exactly it um but um uh, yeah, yeah, that's it. Uh, and uh, so, so that's one thing. Mythmoot, check it out. SignumUniversity.org/slash/mythmoot. Uh, you can f- you can hear more about our, uh, our our keynote speakers. You can hear more about um, uh, there's the information to submit a proposal. Uh, so lots of uh, lots of fun opportunities there. And then Signum Academy Clubs. We are uh, we are currently uh, we've I've already begun forming our first sections of our brand new program, Signum Academy Clubs, our extracurricular program for kids. Grade Grades three through twelve, um, we have our book club, our creative writing club, our language conversation club, and our translation club. So um, we have, as I say, several sections already forming. Um, wanted to strongly invite people. A lot of the folks who have who are joining clubs here at the beginning uh, are homeschoolers. So it's just one thing I would particularly say uh, for anyone who is homeschooling or who knows people who are homeschooling. It's a really great uh, opportunity uh, for curricular supplementation um, in a kind of thing that I know that very few homes, even wonderful homeschooling parents often don't have the opportunity to do things like creative writing workshops uh, with peers and stuff like that. So it's a really, really fun opportunity for that. So definitely check it out. SignumUniversity.org slash Academy. You can send an email to Academy at SignumU.org for some more information there too, but definitely check out clubs and then, a note that the script discussion for episode nine, as we continue moving forward, what is that even up to then? That's got to be up in Ladros, and uh, uh, that's that's the uh, is is that the Atherbeth, uh episode? Um, yeah, I have it right in front of me too. Um, episode nine, it is. Oh, it's Andreth and Ignor, right? Yeah, right. It's Andreth and Ignor falling in love. Um, we actually this is the this is the first we actually had. We were unable to finish scripting out an episode uh, in one session. So this is actually our second session for that. Session number two on episode nine. Well, hey, this is it's a uh, this is one of the really you know one of the handful of human elf romance stories that we get in the Silmarillion. So you know, worth yeah. taking some time over for sure. Yeah. 
Awesome. Cool. So that's going to be that's coming up uh, this coming uh, weekend, Sunday, February twenty eighth yep. at eight thirty p.m. Eastern time. Um, so uh, so cool. Yeah, and you can get uh, the the link to join that session. Of course, it's going to take place on the Signum University Twitch channel. Uh, so Twitch.tv/signumu, uh, and you can also go to get the uh, the other links from the um, it, to uh, the go to webinar link from the uh, page. Right, that's post. Yeah. Yeah. It, I I wouldn't post it because we've had. Oh, that's right. That yeah. Then we invite so the Russian bots somebody, to join us. Somebody, right. Yeah. Of course. If somebody posts on that sub forum or right. sends me a, a private message in the uh, on the forums, I'll get that. And or Marie, um, right, who is probably going to act much more quickly than I will. Um, we'll get you the link. To that. Great. Yeah. Absolutely. Cool. Right. So we can. Yeah. So you can go to the go to the go to the forums there and, and you can. And of course, also, even if you can't make the live session, any suggestions that you have about episode nine mm-hmm. that you post to the script forum um, will um, uh, will be taken into account uh, by you guys yeah. when you discuss it through. So, yep. Cool. Awesome. All right. So tonight we are discussing the frame and we're kind of thinking uh, in big picture terms about the frame story, but also not just the story really kind of fleshing out more of the world building we've done. We've kind of uh, touched on this a couple times. We touched on it when we came up with the idea originally back uh, in our, uh, our, our preseason discussions, um, our pre-production sessions. We touched on it again uh, when we were doing casting. I ended up kind of going off on that for a little bit again there. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, definitely more uh, that we need to sort of resolve and decide about what we're going to do with this, even though the frame scenes are relatively short. You know, we don't have a lot. You know, and this is something, you know, Nick, that you have to keep reminding me of as I'm wanting to elaborate the story that, you know, we have very few scenes uh, to, to sort of try to move this stuff forward. Um so, um, so anyway, the frame story that we have so far. So we have, uh, we wanted the this this uh, location right down in Harad, uh, and we're, which we're calling Hobbiton in the south, uh, in the sense that Gandalf in Canus has a similar kind of parallel relationship with. Uh, the folks down here. So just as he, you know, comes up to Hobbiton, you know, comes and visits the Shire and has established a sort of long-term, even multi-generational relationship with like the Took family, for instance. Uh, so too Gandalf in his wanderings into the South, um, which we decided he must be going on since he has a name there in Canus, which does not sound like a name given to him in Gondor, um, that he probably has made contacts down in the South in Harad as well. Um, as he has up in the north. Um, and so, so we decided we've got a coastal city-state with ancient black Numenorean roots. And I'm really actually excited to talk about that and kind of the cultural history from the black Numenoreans uh, and how we, we sort of uh, uh, work with that. Um, so the queen of the city has two teenage sons who have a Boromir-Faramir dynamic, uh, and she worries that neither one is ready to rule their people. Um, this, of course... I really love the way that this enables us to kind of double dip, right? Because I don't know how much, I mean, it, the, the the day may come when we get a chance to actually do, you know, a season which embraces the stories of young Faramir and young Boromir um, mm-hmm. sometime in the distant future. Um, but it will be, you know, it, 
if that happens, it's not going to happen for a very long time. So getting an opportunity to at least kind of indirectly and in parallel touch upon, um, you know, sort of Gandalf and the wizard's pupil uh, uh, kind of concept, I think is going to be a lot of fun. Um, Mm -hmm. So I I do like that. And of course, we had talked about the two sons ultimately as um, sort of dividing, right? One of whom stays uh, sort of true to the roots and the other mm-hmm. of whom goes over to uh, uh, to the dark side there in the sort of spiritual conflict uh, that's happening uh, down there in Harad. Um, and of course that leads to the third point the conflict, something else is in the town, the mouth of Sauron uh, is attempting to revive the cult of Sauron to return the people to their ancestral worship and allegiance as we are beginning the process. Uh, Sauron, that is, is beginning the process of essentially reconverting Harad and the East. This is another one of those places where it is so easy to forget about the amount of time that passes in the Third Age. You know, um, I mean... It's easy to think of the East and South as those places which are under Sauron's control, right? Um, but so long, such a long period of time passes between those times when Sauron is actually running. So, I mean, yes, like they used to, he was in control there, like during the War of the Last Alliance. Um, but modern Harad, when he comes and redeclares himself and like, you know, has like the big ribbon cutting ceremony at the new Barad-dur, right? You know, before the War of the Ring. Um, It's been thousands of years. It's been millennia. So, I mean, you're talking, it is the ancient, ancient history of these cultures, you know, that they had any contact with Sauron. And they will have had entire, I mean, even, even where there is any cultural memory of worshiping Sauron, um, there's going to be like long and very, you know, different and varied traditions that will have grown in that time. So the, the, the process, um, this is one of the things that I'm really interested to kind of, uh, explore, uh, in this frame story is kind of drawing attention to the uphill battle. Sorry, I'm not quite there yet. The uphill battle that Sauron has in reestablishing himself in these places um, and the work that is available for the wizards to do not only Gandalf but of course by extension the blue wizards wherever they happen to be um, in trying to resist Sauron but not just resisting Sauron even trying to defend the native cultures in the east and south that will have grown up um, organically since Sauron was last uh, you know the uh, you know, domineering tyrant, uh, in those areas. So anyway, so that's the, that's the setting. So let's, uh, go ahead and talk about the broad picture. Let's talk about Harad in general, how we want to depict this area. So first of all, let me ask a, before we even start thinking about direct primary world cultural influences, which is an important thing for us to think about as far as how we picture this and conceive this. Um, Geographically, where are we? Um, Where are we picturing Hobbiton of the South in relation, for instance, to Umbar? Are we on the coast south of Umbar? Um, Do we want to be... um, 
South of Umbar, Marie is thinking. Right, yeah. I'm thinking that, too. So, really, we're like the coast of Far Harad, basically, is what we're sort of thinking about. Um, mm-hmm. Okay. All right. That 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 makes sense to me. Cause, and, and here's why I ask that. Because I'm thinking um, that question was actually prompted to, for me by, uh, by this slide, sort of potential um, uh, cultural you know, sort of conceptions and influences on how we think about this. Um, and particularly, I was thinking about the Phoenicians. I'm thinking, uh, and I don't know if you guys would like this idea, but I'm thinking about establishing a distinction between the, um, between the, the, the culture of Umbar specifically, like the Corsairs and their culture, and mm-hmm. the culture of the, of the rest of Harad. Um, mm-hmm. the, the Corsairs specifically, and therefore Umbar, that, that, that's the, I associate that more with the Phoenicians. So I'm thinking of I'm thinking of Umbar more like Carthage, essentially, um, mm-hmm. and being really like they're the sea power, right? Umbar is the sea power. The Corsairs are the are the naval power of that whole region. Um, and mm-hmm. if there's going to be a sort of predominantly sea trading and also you know uh, potentially like uh, um, you know pirate or privateering kind of culture, it's going to be the Corsairs that are going to be doing that stuff. So that the coastal cities of Harad itself, um, they would probably not have a very widely developed naval culture or, or, uh, you know, seagoing. They would trade with them, right? I mean, they would rely upon trade uh, with the Corsairs. Um, But the Corsairs control the seas down there. So they wouldn't really be established as an independent, you know, so, uh, so if we have them, if we distinguish them from the Corsairs, I would sort of imagine them being a coastal city, which is kind of looking inland and the same, they're not looking to the, you know, they're not like one of those coastal cities built from the ocean in, right? They're sort of built from the coast out. They, 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 would, they would be bringing in trade goods and, and trading with uh, the Corsairs um, in the harbor. So there'd be lots of bazaars and things like that down by the docks and stuff potentially. Um, but I wouldn't think that they would be sort of a, a, a focused on having a seafaring kind of culture. What, what do you guys think of that? So to kind of go over the like kind of sociological and uh, um, economic um, consequences of, of that. Right. I would say that most likely what we're looking at is a city that is near the mouth of a river, but a yeah. river that's not navigable by ocean-going vessels. Right. They probably themselves don't manufacture ocean-going vessels, so you won't see, like, shipyards or anything that's like that. That's what I was thinking, too, yeah. On the docks. Um, yeah. They probably have a very strong fishing trade though mm-hmm. um mm-hmm. you know coastal fishing yeah yeah so they would probably on some level pay a certain amount of um tribute to well, especially to the, if, yeah to the corsairs especially if they're yeah. if they if they have a fishing culture there would be probably a we're not gonna come and like you know uh uh steal your boats and you know yes like if you want us to uh like you know i'm thinking 
if there is a culture in this area which is hostile, it's to me, it's the Corsairs, right? The Corsairs, because they're like the, they're the ones. It's not the Haradrim so much. It's the Corsairs that are the traditional enemy of Gondor, right? That's where you, because you've got the, 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 the tradition from Castamir, uh, you know, the, during the Kinstrife, right? Or after the, you know, during and after the Kinstrife. So they have this whole anti-Gondor culture working, right? So I'm imagining uh, the Corsairs as being, if there is a hostile kind of, you know, uh, hostile kind of nasty, violent uh, culture down here, if, if, if there's a set of bad guys in the region, it's the Corsairs, right? So I can imagine yeah. these, you know, sort of peaceful, uh, you know, shoreland culture people having to, like, pay production, protection money, basically, to, to the Corsairs, mm-hmm. essentially, some kind of tribute, um, uh, which would doubtless be onerous, but something that they could live with, you know, something that they can yeah. survive. Well, they, they probably also benefit from, so that's why mm-hmm. I was saying that they would be on a river that's not navigable by, um, by ocean-going vessels, because Agreed. that puts them in a position where even if they are paying a certain amount of tribute to the Corsairs, that they're still making enough money off of trade with the interior you know like getting those goods into the interior which the corsairs can't really do on this particular river that it would be worth it to them agree you know that it's it would just be considered kind of a you know just a cost of doing business as opposed to they have us under their thumb right no that that's that seems that makes probably have some leverage as well like that they have they have something of value that the corsairs can't get on their own Right. right. Yeah, I agree. If it were a navigable river, this city would be controlled. Like the Corsairs would have conquered their city probably right. a long time ago. Yeah. yeah. Well, yeah. and also if the city if the city straddles the river, then it's just it would not be cost effective for the um, for the Corsairs to try to push through. Yes. In that way. So. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's exactly what I'm thinking. Um, uh, Michael. Uh, Dennis asks a very sensible question. And by the way, Michael, this is my favorite kind of question. Like when I'm when I'm trying to like brainstorm and think through this stuff, exactly my method is to ask myself like yes, no or either or questions to try to uh, and then kind of see what the answer is. So Michael says coastal mountains or coastal plains. And I'm immediately thinking plains Um, because I'm thinking arable land. I'm thinking one of the pieces of I think that, you know, for them to be a fairly major food supplier to the Corsairs would be one way for them to have exactly the kind of leverage that you were talking about, Nick, because the Corsairs, um, if it were merely control of trade routes, right, um, then the Corsairs, it might be worth their while to attempt to take over the city and control it. But the Corsairs aren't going to want to come in and farm. Right. That's not what they do. It's so right. they would be they would, you know, so they'd leave the farmers alone, you know, the, the, the city full of farmers, farmers and fishermen alone because that's boring. <laughs> they don't want to do that. Um, so they let them go. But 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 of course, it does give um, the Haradrim leverage because they are, you know, the Corsairs would rely upon the supply of food that they would uh, that they would bring in. So, yeah. So I'm definitely thinking low lying uh, plant fertile you know, river delta, uh, you know, area uh, here. Not necessarily a big delta. I'm not thinking Nile Delta or something like that. But mm. but as you say, coastal, uh, uh, you know, the river coming out into the sea um, and the lowlands around the, you know, ar- around the river being fertile and arable lands. Um, uh, so Michael brings up another 
similar point is the point of where they're getting their hard goods from. Right. Uh, because if they're if they're based in coastal plains, then they're either getting their hard goods from up from upstream, um, or they're getting them from the corsairs. They're getting them from ocean going trade. I would say we could have them. I would say they get their like their metals and stuff like that from upstream. Mostly because I don't want them to be too much, too dependent upon the Corsairs, right? I, I would want them to be able to have some independence there. So they have like a thriving barge trade going up this river. Yes, yes. Okay. And they can trade food both directions, right? So mm-hmm. they can trade food for, for uh, you know, metals uh, and wood uh, coming down from the hills. And they can trade food uh, for other more exotic goods that are brought in from all over the place uh, mm-hmm. by the yep. by the Corsairs. Um uh, and 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 that that kind of still puts them in puts them in a sweet spot. And also, I get the other reason that I'm attracted to the idea of it being a farming area, basically, um, is that that quiet, peaceful town is kind of what I'm thinking here. You know, and so what about what about textiles? Because if they're a coastal, if they're a coastal place, they don't really have that much need for a ton of farming, right? And textiles is a fantastic export, but labor intensive. Right. So it's not something that the Corsairs necessarily want to come in and take over because, you know, cotton, not fun. Right. Um, right. But, or even flax for that matter. Right. Yeah, I was yeah. thinking something more linen. along the line. Yeah, linen is, is what I was kind of yeah. picturing rather than cotton. But, um mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. I mean, you're right that that's a, a wonderful input. And that would also give the people of the town not only that kind of farmer feel but also a, like manufacturer um element as well they, they they would be crafts people as well right you know there would be right. um they would be producing things as well as growing things um and it also gives us an excuse for extravagant costuming <laughs> right i mean if yeah. they are the center of a textile <laughs> trade uh mm-hmm. we can we can uh we can go full uh uh, full, full Black Panther, you know, in like the colorful textile <laughs> varieties and things. Um, uh, so, uh, yeah, yeah. Um, sure, sure. Mm-hmm. Um, Marie's going to be like happy that. that there's going to be. <laughs> Marie's going to be happy that there's going to be like piles of fabric. Yep. <laughs> right. <laughs> Karina, Karina says, "Did somebody well. say costuming? Yeah, yeah. No, I mean we can we can go all out with uh, uh, with 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 fabrics then if we're, um, but yeah, it, it gives them. I mean, I do like their because then we we can have um, there be again not just farming. So it, it you know it's we're not then just imagining a, a kind of a crude uh, you know farming and fishing village kind of uh, kind of place, but a much more sophisticated you know, with." Um, you know, uh, artisans and artists, you know, there as well. So, you know, with dyers and, uh, you know, tailors. And so that um, the, 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 the people who are working uh, with fabrics and, and then therefore exporting, um, you know, uh, uh, not just raw textiles, but, um, you know, tailored clothes and things like that. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, that's good. I like it. I like it. So, I mean, it, it doesn't, it doesn't mean it. it They'd be unlikely to be doing too much metalworking because they'd be importing all the metals. So I mean, they'd, they could maybe doing some of that, but it certainly wouldn't be their signature. Right. Right. And 
I would also think that this is a pretty good um, a pretty good formula for a for a peaceful city state. They're not going to have a, a nor need a sort of you know robust military history. They're not going to need to establish. Um, uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. If this city is millennia old, one would imagine that they already have that they already have a good solid wall structure around the city. They probably have, you know, if the river isn't navigable by ocean-going vessels, then they probably also have gates for the river itself, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so that they can control that trade. Yeah, a, a, you know, a, a, a controlled port, right? Yeah, right. Yeah. The, the potentate gets a cut. The their deserved cut, of course. Right. You know. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Of that, as far as a standing army, as Marie is asking, they they have to have some. I well, imagine. They, they but it would be more guards, more like, like yeah, yeah, guards and sentries, yeah. but not really standing army exactly. I wouldn't right. think, um, right. like sort of a for show kind of more bureaucratic organization. <laughs> yeah, yeah the only like, one that's not not it's it's not up for um, uh, challenging the corsairs or menacing neighbors proactively, and that presumably that'll be one of the changes that we'll see as they fall. Uh, uh, under the the influence of Sauron, right? Well, we'll Whatever. see levies probably. Like the city is yeah. probably going to provide levies from the from their farmers, right, and whatnot when they go to war. Yes, yes, and I would you think know, that the, you know their whole military tradition could well be essentially focused on defending their city. Like there would have been times when they would have been at war as other, you know, uh, you know, more aggressive lands from the inside. There would certainly have been you know, a robust history of conflict with the Corsairs at various points. Um, mm-hmm. But um, but it would seem to me very plausible to have their their military history be primarily just about defending. You know, so they can have walls um, and they would have a tradition of, you know, guards and sentries, you know, I mean, if you're going to have walls, you will probably want people on the walls, keeping an eye out and preparing to defend and, them at need. And you need toll collectors. And you need toll collectors yes. and guards collectors. to guard the tolls yeah. that you collect. So yes, there would be those kinds of people. Um, but the, but yeah, I, could, I mean, I could imagine them. I could imagine them having a, a very robust and active police force. Right. Right, especially with like, with uh, you know the large um, you know trade bazaars and things. Depicted. Wait, sorry. Yes. Whom we've already, Whom de- we've already well, there we go. Yeah, there we go. Yes. 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 Yeah. I wonder. Uh, I like the idea of them being. Um, uh, I, I wonder. Like, I like. I wonder if we can sort of play up the idea that maybe they're like perfectly. Like, maybe there's something. There's a. There's some feature of the geography that makes it. Makes you know. In addition to like also having walls that they've built, but there being a features of the geography that make them kind of like very. De- it would be very difficult. Uh, for some, for someone, but especially the corsairs to conquer them. Michael's suggestion. So they, was... Yeah, yeah, and they yeah. can kind of get away with not having to have an army. You know, like there, there's sort of a blessing of being like in a good spot, almost a little like very, very minor parallel with Gondolin mm-hmm. being kind of. They're not hidden, but they're like very well, very easily defended, and so they they can afford to not be militaristic. 
Yeah. So Michael was suggesting, you know, he, he liked the idea of having like a promontory that goes out into the sea. So if if one bank of the river basically is 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 higher and cliff faced to the ocean so that it's almost inaccessible from there and they can have a, you know, a keep there can, you know, that's the, where the keeps. Yeah. That's, that's where the, that's where the, you know, the, the palace is the, yeah. the palace, the queen is up there. Um, so you'd have like much more significant. And this is where you would get the, um, get the sense of ancient wars that have been right. At some point they felt the need to build a fortress up on this promontory um, that people could retreat into at time of need. There couldn't be an outer wall. There could also be a smaller outer wall around sort of the larger city or the, you know, the larger, you know, kind of area. Um, but then you have the, the, the larger area up there. Um, yeah. So it's, pretty clearly defensible and from there you know they can also you know control the harbor uh from from a, a, a high point as well and that kind of that kind of defensive position would certainly give pause to purely seaborne invaders you know would could certainly yeah. make things difficult um um, yeah, and and so we can we can we, I think we can kind of have that both ways. Have that kind of because uh, it doesn't have to be you know it doesn't have to be like you know three hundred feet high. I mean the, the 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 cliffs can be like you know twenty or thirty feet above the, right. the water. Twenty feet up is is, <laughs> is I, I mean right with walls on when, top. Yeah. Did, when you were over in uh, England, did you ever get a chance to go to the Tower of London? Oh yeah, oh yeah, yeah. It's not that tall. It's not. And, no, no. Yet it dominated the landscape at the time. Right. Especially so. from the river. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, yep. No, I agree. I agree. Uh, so, yeah. No, that that I think could work really, really well. Um, mm. And uh, and give them security, which confers, like, the faintest touch of compla- complacency to their culture. Again, very mm. Hobbiton of the South, right? You know, they've been comfortable for so long that they have come to think that it is, you know, the right of all uh, of all sensible folk. Um, having that kind of a, an element of their culture um, makes sense. And if they're like that, I mean, if they're, you know, they're wealthy enough to not be concerned about, you know, uh, a lean season or, you know, where they're, you know, if they're going to be able to, you know, make it through um but also they're not you know a, a glaring target and worried about being invaded you know by stronger neighbors um i think it's fairly easy to imagine a city state like this being in a fairly cozy kind of uh, position mm-hmm. um yeah yeah um yep yeah, yeah um okay sure I, 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 like I actually, I they, I'm, I'm glad for the reminder that you remind you sort of saying, hops into the south. I'm, I'm thinking like, maybe there should be not so subtle and maybe some subtle like sort of parallel. Like, I wonder if their their police force should kind of resemble sort of the idea like the bounders, oh, like, like the like, sheriffs and the bounders. Yeah, yeah. You've got yeah, the, like, the, the bounders who are like, like the guards on the wall and the sheriffs who patrol yeah. the 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 the, yeah. the bazaars, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Probably should be more substantial and a little better organized, but like, but it should feel similar in the sense that it there it kind of feels like, like maybe you don't really need it, and it's kind of just there to have like you know just just for show, just to, just to to have the semblance that there's some kind of mm. 
government functioning. Right, that that a certain percentage anyway of the guards or men at arms there in the city um, joined the guards for the sake of knowing where the best beer is, basically. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah, yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. And uh, like I mentioned, that there's a lot of like kind of as far as the um, trade within the city, there's kind of a lot of happy anarchy mm-hmm. going on in there. Mm-hmm. Like nobody really cares, like what you're selling your cloth for when you right. know like they it's just not of interest the 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 queen or potentate is is really only interested on what's coming in and out right right yeah yeah um no i think this is a good this is a good so let's get back to the primary world influences we've we've um, established a bunch of things here um there are several different options that you guys were suggesting. Um, uh, Arabic, potential Arabic influences. We did talk about, you know, we talked, uh, you know, about wanting to avoid anything specifically, any specifically Muslim references. Um, uh, but hang on a second. Latitude, where are we? We're south, right? So we're going to be equatorial, basically. You know, um, inland, so we're talking about right inland is going to be mountains where they're going to be able to get there. Uh, but I would think what to the like inland and to the north can be desert, right? So we can or like more Saharan. So that's what you know. There can be um, uh, more like a uh, like sub-Saharan Africa. Like northern sub-Saharan Africa, like the you know, I'm thinking like the savanna, basically, um, to the north of the like inland and north of them, um, or need it be desert? Would we have camels? You know, camel. Uh, uh, would we want uh, you know tra- camel trains coming in from that direction uh, to their bazaars or? It depends. Uh, well, you know. Like Visa says, you, you know, we can be anywhere you want to be. Right. Um, <laughs> this unsponsored plug brought to you by, yes. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Um, yeah, it could be. It could be. Karita um, wants cool hats. Cool hats. Okay. I agree. Karita, I agree with you. Karita says, I want pleats. I want embroidery. I want cool hats. It needs to be a feast for the eyes. Um, the episodes should come with a migraine warning. That's how bright I want the colors. Yeah. No, Karina, when I, when I mentioned Black Panther, I was thinking of like the ceremonial scene mm-hmm. when, uh, like when they do the fight duels on the cliffside. On the improbable cliff. Yes. On the improbable cliff with like all of the different tribes in their amazing splendid colors and, and fit. That's, that's, that's the scene I was picturing in my head when I said that. So, so yeah, exactly that. That's it. I'm, I'm glad we're on the same page here, Karina. That's, that's just it. Um, that will be excellent. Um, an Aztec influence would be really, really interesting in that kind of environment as well. It, so the Incans had a very, very different way of dealing with the heat than people from the, the more Arab and, and African regions did. I think that has to do with humidity, though, um, because yeah. the people in, in Mesoamerica were were living with much more humidity and so they kind of went for it like as little as possible um whereas in the dry heat of the you right. know, the near the mediterranean that's you go you for those like loose the, yeah, flowing yeah. right um just because like that's 
a great way to keep cool in those circumstances. So right, right. it depends on what our, our, our environment looks like. Right. Well, of course it's hard to avoid. <clears throat> I mean, we all know the vaguely earth geography parallel that Tolkien was establishing in middle earth, you know, and again, it's vague. Like, we don't have to stick with that. Like just because he was thinking of, you know, the parts of Middle Earth where the story takes place as vaguely, you know, uh, you know, Europe and and uh, and and Western Asia, and then, you know, Harad and everything as vaguely Middle Eastern and African direction. Um, we don't have to keep everything the northwest of the old world, you know, as he says. Um, so it is possible for us to think more in terms of um, American equatorial, as you suggest, Nick, rather than uh, Middle Eastern. But, of course... You'd have to change the climate. <laughs> we would have to change the climate very significantly. And I, I find I don't really want to. I don't... I don't... I don't... I, 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 I would rather keep Harad more like Northern Africa than more like, you know, Central America, basically. The food's probably amazing. Yeah. Well, in this city? Oh, yeah. No, they've, they've got to have a big food culture, too. So, Karita, that's the other thing that Ooh. I insist upon. If you want bright colors and amazing costuming, I want, you know, uh, food stalls in the bazaar, <laughs> right? <laughs> like amazing food stalls. Um, this has got to be one of the things that keeps Gandalf coming back, right? <laughs> you know, to yeah. uh, to this place. I mean, does 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 Gandalf have like a favorite hookah bar that he frequents, or <laughs> who knows? He would, right? <laughs> I mean, like, why would Gandalf not <laughs> have a favorite hookah bar? Uh, uh, and that is a visual image. That I never contemplated, but now just need. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, again, like, would that not happen? Of course that would happen. Like, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> no, certainly. Gandalf with a hookah never once crossed my brain, but now it is there forever. So there we are. Um, yeah. Yeah. No, I agree, Karita. Tea stalls, meat stalls, bread stalls. Absolutely. Yes. Yes. Uh, seafood. Remember, we're coastal, right? So we've got, mm -hmm. you know, wonderful fish and, and all kinds of things. So, yep. Yep. The food is going to be great. Um, yeah. Another another parallel with uh, with uh, the Shire. Yeah. Another parallel with the Shire. Yes. Lots of uh, food culture. Yes. Yes. Uh, uh, lots of, you know, very, very different, uh, very different comfort foods there in the South than, than, uh, you know, than they, than they have in Hobbiton, but, uh, but similar quantities. Uh, absolutely. Absolutely. Okay. So Michael's asking an excellent question. Are we considering a monsoon climate? Uh, it would depend on how tall the mountains are, right? If we get, or if we get like, as you were, Michael, I think you were also talking about whether we should be imagining like a rain shadow of these mountains. I think I wasn't imagining mountains quite so high. I was just thinking of uplands yeah. where there could be mines, essentially. Yeah. And, and not to mention that would create some problems as far as um, how consistently you could navigate the river by barge. Right. Uh, right. Because, it, you know, monsoons means rapids. <laughs> right. And, right. Uh, you know, especially if this river is essentially flowing through the streets of the city that sounds like a recipe for disaster. Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. No, I agree. I think uh, we, I, um, and also 
I'm my overall like feel of this city is basically even keel. Like I wouldn't want there to be radical, you know, radical yeah. shifts in season, like radical dry season, radical wet season, you know, the river going up and down by five feet or whatever doesn't feel right to me. Like it, it like this, this should be like a very even keel town. Like, I mean, you know, seasons change and, and different stuff comes and goes and uh, you know, they have their own, uh, their own different times, but that it's, this sense of like unchangingness season by season, year by year seems to me a really, because that's what we want to be damaging with the mouth of Sauron, right? We want to have, you know, the, the, this is the alien impact of the arrival or the rearrival after a very long time absent of the cult of Sauron um, needs to feel like a, a, a tragic disruption, right? Like this, this culture, which has been undisturbed for as long as they can remember, and certainly in, live, in living memory, and not just living memory, but even, you know, their records for centuries, potentially, could have been largely, you know, peaceful, un, you know, largely unchanging. So, so yes, I wouldn't want it very dynamic in almost any way, including, including climate, essentially. It sounds very much like the Shire. That's, yeah, yeah. That's a key feature of the shires it's is its unchangingness yes yes yeah um michael yeah something like the climate perhaps of coastal morocco i think that could i mean i i don't know coastal morocco very well i've never been there um but uh from what i i know that that seems to me like it would fit um it certainly would fit around the latitude that we're talking about um uh i mean the latitude we're talking about might even be a little bit south of there um but, um, I mean, if it's coastal, it would be easy to get to even if it were fairly far down. Um, mm-hmm. But like I said, vaguely, you know, vaguely equatorial is uh, is latitude-wise what I'm thinking. Um, yeah. Yeah, and we know, um, we know that folks go down further than that. Um, where the stars are strange, right? So we know that there is Southern Hemisphere travel. It's, it's Aragorn who's been down where the stars are strange, right? But if Aragorn's been there, I bet you Gandalf has too. Um, so, um, yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, okay. So other things for, um, again, thinking back to the influences and stuff, as far as... Um, like architectural styles and things like that. Um, I'm thinking solid walls, fortress Mm -hmm. on the promontory. But other than that, um, yeah, I don't know how to describe what I'm picturing. How much... um, sort of would the how like you know the houses as you're looking over the city would that mostly be like clay or brick houses tile roofs kind of things we could, or we could do a lot of so michael is suggesting um mud, mud bricks, bricks right or shellfish based concrete mm-hmm. um i also you could we could also consider adobe some sort of adobe mm-hmm. style dwellings uh if we wanted to kind of mix things up um, and and get away from a, a purely like have it look a little bit different 
from right. what you'd see in, in say like Morocco. North Africa. Right, yeah, exactly. Right. Right. I love the tiered gardens idea, Karina. Karina, I, um, oh yeah, gardens. Yes. Again with the Shire parallels, right? Um I, it should be a city live, where gardeners are held in high honor, right? Definitely. Yeah. I I live in a very hilly area and so I I see tiered gardens in my future definitely i've already <laughs> done some of that for my parents so nice nice yes good agreed agreed um yeah and the the gardens in the palace should be splendid mm-hmm. i suppose it would be too much to have gandalf commenting on how bright their garden looks uh, when he's there, but some comment along those lines, I no, would think, would be not. welcome. Maybe we should do it. <laughs> Karita's yeah. mentions of of uh, trellis work and uh, breezeways and courtyards. There should be because think about it, there's no AC in this culture. Yeah. There's you know there's a lot of open right breezeways, uh, yeah. open yeah. building. You know, like places where like these courtyards that are covered, mm-hmm. right, to keep the sun off, so you have shade, but they're completely open so that some wind can go through right yeah 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 cool cool no i i like this i like this a lot i think that this is um this is picking up on a lot so let's think about other cultural elements um now let's let's come back to black numenorean because being a coastal city on a location like this, right, the Numenorians would have been all over this, right? They, I mean, they would have totally founded this city, <laughs> no question, or, you know, conquered this city and, uh, and, and built there. Um, so, yeah, um, it has, so it has ancient Numenorian roots. So... Yes. Okay. All right. All right. Here we go. Here we go. The walls around the city, at least the inner ward. Mm-hmm. Okay. There should be an inner ward of the city, which has the original ancient walls of the city that existed there, built on the river. Okay. Okay. And then, the the palace itself should have some Numenorean tones to it. Mm-hmm. It should mm-hmm. it should reflect. The idea of that—that's where the Numenorean lord built their palace up there. Maybe, maybe the inner, like the harbor bazaar, is basically what is inside. What was you can still see the old, the ruins of the old wall. So you mm-hmm. know, you—I yep. mean, it would be, of course, a very, very old wall. Like we're talking right. something. Something like uh, 1.5 to 2 times as old as Hadrian's Wall, basically. I mean, we're talking about a very old wall. Right. And so that wall is built out of, like, old mud brick, like fired mud brick. Yeah. Right? The keep is built out of stone because, you remember, the Numenorians, they have this thriving global trade going on. Right. It's nothing for them to bring in stone to build this structure with. And then the outer outer wall reflects the more modern um, structure that they right. that they have now because they've eventually in the past few thousand years have had to build right they've grown a wall that encompasses uh, more of the city yeah yeah because of course the Numenorians though they would be very would not have been settling and expanding in this place they were you know they established 
a strong place there and they exploited the natural resources from that area like they did all over the place. Um, Exploiting natural resources was one of their specialties even before they went bad. Um, So, um, or rather before they went worse, I guess you could say. Um, But, but yeah, yeah, I agree. I agree. So that the... um, they will have surrounded the ancient Numenorean, like the city would have surrounded uh, thoroughly the ancient Numenorean um, uh, remnants. Um, but let's think more about well, those Numenoreans. No, sorry. Go ahead, Nick. Well, I was just saying that the original city can have been like a, a, a smaller but still important city, ancient, ancient, ancient city, mm-hmm. you know, like you know, like like original River Valley civilization ancient, right? Okay. Like pre Numenorean. Like first age. Right. Yeah. Right. right. Yeah. Um or like late first age, late early, first age second early second age, right? Age. Yeah. 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 Um with with no mind to what's going on in Balerian whatsoever. Right. 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 Then the Numenorians show up, they take over, they build their fortifications mm-hmm. and whatnot. Um that that kind of beef up the cities uh, strategic importance, and then eventually, the, as things continue to spread out, they they're kind of forced to build um, build walls around the the outer city. Right. 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 Um, yep. No, that works but, for me. That's that's that that makes sense, and it's actually interesting. I mean, it it establishes historically the city as um, like their their ancient and historical culture is of like river valley based land agrarian culture which has a complicated history with people who come in over the sea with like a more powerful dominant culture uh that comes from the sea um first with the numenorians and then with the corsairs later on um okay yes good now um about the blackness of the black Numenorean history. Uh, that is to say what to what extent should there be remnants of the fallen Numenorean culture? Like we know that the areas in the south are where the Kingsmen were establishing their outposts. Um, but what should be the heritage of the Numenoreans? Like first of all it's been over 3,000 years, right? So they needn't have the same kind of, the same degree of Numenorean identity and memory as Gondor does, for instance. It needn't be as central to their culture as it is to Gondor. Um, And it's... So, okay, I guess there's another thing we might as well bring in at the same time, which is Sauron. Right. Um, Mm -hmm. What is the history of this city with Sauron? How, if at all, is Sauron remembered? And how, if at all, are the king's men, slavers, human sacrificing subset of Numenorians remembered? Um, Because we could go either way with this. And what what story do they tell about what happened? Yes. Yeah. Um, yeah. I wanted to I wanted to add a, a related question from the from the YouTube chat um, from Keen Anderson is like uh, do, do we see is there a decline in things like 
technology and culture over time as well. Because it, you know, it's interesting because there's there's these sort of competing um, or these the multiple multiple sort of dynamics at play. There's the corruption of Numenorean culture, but then there's also like just over time the waning of Numenorean culture. Yes, um, right. And so so you know like to the extent that the the the, the black Numenorean stuff goes away, things get better. But like you know sort of the the kernel of like you know classic true Numenorean culture was was probably good. And and as that wanes, maybe things get a little more backward or worse or rustic. What if the fortress so, had been a Numenorean construction? So, mm-hmm. which of course would also yeah. greatly help these people to fend off the Corsairs if the fortress on the promontory is like Orthanc, basically. You know, it's like little mini Minas Tirith with Numenorean technology, built with Numenorean technology, essentially. Mm-hmm. So, um, to kind of in the story so far, there have been a few developments that have kind of come out of that and you know of course these aren't you know as always these aren't unchangeable but to kind of give you an idea of the direction that we've we've been going is that there was a very very heavy religious worship of sauron in the city at some time in the quite distant past yes yes right so there's not been an active sauron sauronic presence since mm-hmm. the last alliance, basically, the the temple it's right. They were loyal in the during the last alliance, but they haven't. They once he disappeared, there's been no influence whatsoever, right. because the the Nazgul themselves have not expressed their influence that far out. Right, right. Um, there was a temple to Sauron in the city. It has since fallen to, dis- to disrepair. Mm-hmm. People steal the stones to help in the repair or or building of their own uh their own uh whatchamacallit their own uh homes and whatnot um but it would have been quite a large and imposing structure on the outskirts of the city possibly on the far end of the city away from the um from this promontory so that we can see it in, in, so that there can be shots where we can see it off in the distance. Right, be, right. Be pretty cool. That would be pretty cool. Um, yeah. Um, during during the course of the story so far, the mouth of Sauron comes to the um, comes to the queen, asking for permission to rebuild the temple because the worship of the cult of Sauron has been kind of on the rise, and they, you know. And of course, this brings in money. This brings in, um, you know, the, this brings in either laborers or uses laborers, labor that's already existing, and they have m- more money. So everybody kind of benefits. Not to mention, like I said, there has been kind of this upswell of the cult of Sauron in 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 the area. So the queen, even though she's not thrilled with the idea of foreign influence, kind of. Can sense the, can sense the wind and doesn't doesn't say no. And what about what so, if, Dave? Go ahead. I was just going to say, I, I, what if what if like maybe at least within like the upper the upper echelons, what if this like cult of Sauron is kind of viewed as like a fringe cult of weirdos that mm-hmm. no one takes seriously? Yep. Right. In the very first episode, we we feature a street preacher who comes up again a couple more times. Um, and the street preacher is kind of tolerated the, the way street preachers often are <laughs> and 
Um, but like the and the people are listening, right? But the uh, you know the upper echelons of society, as you say, aren't like thus far. They've been relatively harmless, right? Right. So here's my question: What are the cultural traditions surrounding? the memory of the worship of Sauron. So on the one hand, again, 3,000 years, right? We are Mm -hmm. almost incalculably removed from the time when they actually worshiped the real Sauron, which means there are several options. One very logical option is that they've utterly forgotten Sauron and have no record of ever having, like there's no memory in their society at all of ever having worshiped him. That would be perfectly sensible. I mean... That would be so much time has passed. That would be very possible if we wanted to make it a completely new thing. But Nick, if there's still a temple, if there's an ancient temple, right, that would help people to remember. Right. I mean, they have this constant reminder of this old religion that was. But I think it would be fun. Um, Wouldn't it be fun if their stories and traditions about what the worship of Sauron was have like greatly changed over time? You know, maybe they don't retain a very clear memory of what the worship of Sauron was like at all. Maybe even the stories about Sauron um, have, like, kind of morphed until, like, in their in their memory. And again, it would be dim. Like that, you know, there's no living um, worship of Sauron. So there's no living tradition of the worship of Sauron. They would respect the temple as a monument to the ancient history of their town. And there would still be maybe some stories and legends associated with that temple and with the worship that took place in it. But of course the actual, like the stories and legends that they still retain about he who was worshiped here and about the God that was worshiped there and about his could be widely removed from the actual history. Right. Yeah. I mean, I think it would be kind of fun if they had all of these. Inf- I mean, things that would sound actually comical from the point of view who people who of people who know who Sauron was. Right. Yeah. If they could if they could have twisted those into like over the centuries as their society became more and more settled in their ways and peaceful, that they, um, you know, they cease to tell warlike story. I mean, they would certainly not remember that there was anything to do with like human sacrifice or uh, or orcs or anything like that. And and there would be so. Mm-hmm. I'm trying to think like there would be some grain, like some element of the Sauron worship that would have like been retained, even if twisted into some form. Like what what would be the thread that they might have held on to? So there's a few things, and and th- that are involved in all this and of course optimally optimally and i don't think we have time to do this now but optimally we'd want to plan out the entire history of this particular city right from beginning to end so we could see what other cultural influences did anybody else come in and take over the city from the original black newman not the original but from the black numenorean um okay there before yeah, that's remind me. That's my next big question. Well, I'll come back to that in a minute. Right. Um, and of course, as as Michael pointed out, the level of literacy in the town makes a tremendous difference. And if this is a thriving trade culture, I would say that for the time period that we're talking about, the literacy might be quite high. 
actually. Um, you know, if you're talking about people who know how to, you know, put together a balance sheet and a P&L report, you got to have literacy to do that, right? Right. right. Um, so another issue is what what did people see Sauron as originally or the last time during the 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 war of the last alliance because i'd be willing to bet that Sauron was saying help us throw off the, the your gondorian oppressors well and the numenorian right? yoke specifically cuz that so mm-hmm. that's a little spoiler on the other thing that i wanted to talk about which is remember the black numenorian culture and the Sauron culture were at war. Like, yes. yes, Sauron came and took over the Numenorean culture at the end, but the, his supporters back in Middle-earth weren't part of that. That was a solo op- operation by Sauron, right? Um, he was... So he would have been, prior to Arpharazan's landing uh, in Middle-earth, you know, in Umbar and his defeat of Sauron... Um, there would have been a significant, like, like the, the Numenorians would have been enemy number one, right? So he, if, if there's a yoke that was being thrown off of these people, it would have been the black Numenorian yoke that was being thrown right. off, right? Mm-hmm. So, right. Um, and, and if there is a big temple of Sauron here, then you've got to think that at least by the, you know, by the end of the Second Age, um, the Numenorian domination right the cultural domination of this city and area by the Numenorians would have been overtaken by the Sauronic influence which was definitely in opposition to the Numenorian one so what I imagine and I feel like the queen is kind of doing something very similar here what I imagine is that the the Numenorian black Numenorian lords of the city at the time recognized the direction of the wind and made a complete 180 shift and joined so and, it, and established the cult of Sauron. They defected, right. Right, right. Right. And right. so the the queen isn't doing that per se, but she's sensing the direction of the wind and so it, because she knows that Sauron's big move is to set himself up as the liberator, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. right? Because we know our history. Right. You know, right. at least she knows the history of you know, of the ages of of her city and her house's rule there. That's right? really interesting. That's really interesting. So um, Joe was suggesting uh, that, of course, some of their stories and legends could be essentially of Anatar, giver of gifts like that, that that mm-hmm. aspect of Sauron could be the element that they remember, um, you know, the the I mean, certainly that. What would have been happening in the War of the Last Alliance would have been him bringing in his human armies to march alongside his orc armies. Um, And Mm -hmm. as Tolkien discusses in some of his later post-Lord of the Rings writing, if you're going to do that, if you're going to bring in an army of humans and convince them that it's it's perfectly copacetic to, you know, pal up with orcs and consider them your colleagues you've got to do some work like you've got to you know a culture like this like if the culture we've just been describing right i mean if if they were you know levied as troops for um for sauron's army from afar and they just marched up and then they're you know in the midst of like these orc slave drivers they're going to be like 
we're out of here. These are not these are not our allies. Like we're going back and 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 fording up in our walls. Um, there's they, they you know so Tolkien was de- described this process of moral corruption that. Um, this kind of campaign of moral corruption that he undertook in order to bring these human cultures uh, uh, to, 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 to morally corrupt them to a point where they were okay. They didn't care about right. like the horrible things that orcs were and the horrible things that orcs did. Um, right. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So, and so what, what I would say is that the cult of Sauron is a driving force behind that because you can get people to do a lot of stuff under the aspect of religious fervor, right? Um, as far as the orcs, I would say that the people in the South probably believe that Sauron has created the orcs as like automatons, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Like they're not deconstructed elves. Right, right. You know, and so they, you know, they're, they're just soldiers that serve a purpose they're not meant to like overflow the earth it's just a means to an end that Sauron has needed in order to pursue his goal yes 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 um Mm -hmm. yeah okay so if they remember Anatar is not the name he would have gone by down here but um, if they have some kind of memory of Sauron as giver of gifts, you know, they, they've forgotten. I mean, again, 3,000 years is a lot of cultural forgetting, right? So they don't retain the memory of, they don't retain the legends of Sauron the tyrant slave driver who, uh, you know, uh, who brought them in on the side of the orcs in the Battle of the Last Alliance. Um, yeah. Yeah. Um, the reason there are two reasons why I am interested in having essentially happy, cheerful, benevolent, warm, fuzzy, quasi-religious traditions retained in their culture surrounding Sauron and the worship of Sauron. One is that I think it's an interesting way to kind of complicate the idea that so many people have. Um, you know, and of course, like Tolkien's works do little to uh, explicitly contradict this kind of concept, basically of like the peoples in Hara, in Rune and Hared, just like being evil cultures that are just waiting to, to enlist in Sauron's armies as soon as he pops up again. Right. Um, and like, yes, of course, we know that they were connected to Sauron and that they would have worshipped the cult of Sauron in ages past. But we're talking about a lot of ages. And so to show an example of what that, you know, how widely. Um, so when we talk about like the reconversion of this city uh, to the cult of Sauron at the end, this is not just like and these people who were always ready to his hand go back to the worship of the Dark Lord. Um, it needs we need to emphasize the kind of tragedy that that is. Right. Um, and the kind of horrible, um, you know, cultural um, uh, 
you know, carpet bombing that Sauron has to affect in order to bring that about. Um, and so that's one thing that I think is sort of it. But, but again, another thing is just to also make more complicated and also easier, because again, we don't have much time, right? So we can't really show the number of total scenes we have in the frame over the season is very few. So if we want to ha- to show these people, these wonderful, peaceful, happy, this wonderful, peaceful, happy Hobbiton of the South culture that we've been describing, go, you know, choose en masse to go over to Sauron, right? And to welcome the mouth of Sauron. One way to make that plausible is if they have this connection which can be exploited, right? They already have warm, fuzzy associations with Sauron, not because they have warm, fuzzy associations about Sauron, the slave driver and and human sacrificer, um, but because that's not what they're willing to listen to the mouth of Sauron because there are these positive associations with Sauron. Um, So, yeah, yeah. um, Yes. that's why that's why I'm thinking about this kind of the cheerful, happy <laughs> cult of Sauron tradition uh, that still that still exists. Um, and again, not a positive cult like it's not an active religious cult in the city anymore, but they would know the name and they would have positive associations with the name. Um, Nick, picking back up on your suggestion about the Numenorians, right, that the remnant of the Numenorians who were still living in this city when the conflict between Sauron, when Sauron goes back to Numenor, basically, right? Um, you were talking about the defection of, like, that they, they would kind of defect over to Sauron's side and begin the worship of Sauron. They would have then built the temple. And if the Numenorians built the temple, that explains why it's still there 3,000 years later, Right? So what if it's not the fortress on the hill that is the Numenorean construction? What if it's only the temple? What if the temple is the single greatest remaining monument of the lost Numenorean technology that they can't replicate anymore so that the fortress itself can still be strong, but more modern and crude? Again, I can still imagine. I mean, the Numenoreans would have built defenses and would have done it really well. So that still works for me. but, um, But I like the idea of the opposing forces, right? Yes. Yes. From across the city. Yep. Yep. Because the temple was built for the people, right? They didn't yes. attach it to their own dwelling. No. no. Because no. they don't actually want the people from the Church of Sauron, which are basically like the... You remember in... The, did you ever see the Hunt for Red October, I hope? Yes. Yeah. Okay. Been a while, but you yes. remember the, there, there's a, a... On board the Soviet submarine, there's a political officer, right? Mm-hmm. And I imagine that the people in the government of the city would kind of feel the same way towards the people running the church of Sauron as these Russian uh, naval officers felt towards the political officer. Like, yeah, just do your thing over there. We're just happy to run our city, but you know, right. Right. And of course, as the active worship of the cult of Sauron declined and declined over centuries and centuries, Um, it has become like, it's just a monument. And Mm -hmm. in their eyes, it is merely, it is a monument of the ancient glory of their city. Right. 
Um, and again, this is why they have warm and fuzzy associations. Gandalf, Gandalf is going to eventually be asking them to forswear Sauron, right? He's going to be trying to show them, look, the worship, the worship, the worship of Sauron is not what you think, right? Um, it is not what you think. This is you. You need to resist this. You need to reject Sauron. That's gonna even though they don't worship Sauron anymore, even though there are no there's that's not active in any way. The Temple of Sauron is like this core to the identity, the historical memory of their city. Um, it is the. I mean, it would be like asking the people of Minas Tirith to reject the Numenorean heritage, basically. Mm. They feel towards Sauron not exactly the same way as the people of Minas Tirith feel towards Elendil, but mm. almost like. I mean, it's it would be... This, yeah. It's not an exact parallel, but again, that, that, that kind of core to their identity kind of thing. Um, mm. What if the Temple of Sauron still plays a role in civic life? Like kind of a kind of a like mundane, benign. They have like a, like a you know a, a community yeah, center. Yeah, an annual like food drive, and, like festivals and, and things. Like yeah, yeah, sure. I'm kind of imagining. I'm imagining the culture of the city as being largely secular. Like I, I don't think mm-hmm. that I certainly don't think they would have a like queen as priestess or goddess kind of culture. Um, I don't think, which is reminding me, I think, to probably advance the slide. Yeah. Um, uh, we've already talked about all this stuff, basically. Um, but, um, yeah, so I, I would definitely not see that. I would, I see them as being primarily secular. Um, but, but, but yeah, Dave, imagining like every year, maybe on like multiple occasions, you know, the they they Sauron's birthday Sauron's birthday celebration right they 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 gather I mean they, they could even have like a memorial feast remembering like the giver of gifts right when right. they all give presents they, to each other it's like the Christmas of Harad right it would be yeah, fantastic yeah, if, if they don't remember that Sauron and Anatar are the same person yeah good <laughs> yes Anatar is like the secular Santa Claus on yeah. Christmas there you go right? yes. Yeah, they like Claus. carry his like statue through the, his paper mache statue through the streets. Yeah. Anatar rides oh, in it. with a camel train to bring presents for all to, for all the boys and girls. Right. <laughs> and 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 every year, every year, like the street preachers are out there, like keep Sauron in Christmas. Right? <laughs> <laughs> and of course, of course, what that also means is is it puts Gandalf in a position where he's running around telling everyone to give up Christmas. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, he's like, it's, it's, it it would be a real blow to their listen. People are like, what are, what's wrong with you? It's exactly. Why do you hate Santa Claus? This guy is, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) So, so I grew up around people who were very anti Halloween. Okay. Yep. Right. Been there. This is the thing. Right. Been there. And, you know, um, that's not a discussion I'm interested in having right now. That's but okay. Telling people why you don't celebrate Halloween gets you these the, like these super weird looks. Yep. Like yep. The, like you're you're kidding. Yep. You're clearly crazy. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Right. No one yeah. gives up their celebrations, right, Marie? Yeah. No. I mean, yeah. Like it, it, it's 
And this is, of course, obviously something that the mouth of Sauron, being a cunning politician, could very easily use, right? And again, oh, this yeah. is what Gandalf is seeing, right? What Gandalf, what, what, what we have to be dramatizing in the frame, because again, we have so little time. We can't be depicting, you know, like he he's not going to take them from like beautiful, peaceful, charming city in episode one uh, to, you know, gore covered priests sacrificing children in episode 13. Right. That's that's not what's going to happen. What we're going to be seeing is the thin end, the thin edge of the wedge. Right. It's the, the beginning, the, the first steps of the mouth of Sauron manipulating and taking advantage of local culture and. Um, establishing the first steps, which Gandalf knows, he knows where this is going, right? He sees where this is heading uh, and is very concerned about this. But it's not going to be obvious to anybody else. Um, And he's going to look like the crazy person. So Marie brings up something that we've been kind of like leading up towards is having the son, the the younger son in this case, the the Faramir parallel Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. um making the same decision that his ancestors made many, many years ago to instead of merely tolerate the cult of Sauron as the queen has, that there's a, there's a coup and he, in order to, to retain power, uh, embraces the cult of, he goes full Constantine, right? Right. 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 Um, Right. Okay, so we have uh, we have, and I, I've I haven't gotten that far up in the frame. It's the Faramir brother that turns yes. bad in the end. Okay, so, yeah, we wanted to yeah. like just mirror the whole mirror, thing, right? right? Like just turn the whole thing around. Nice, I like it. I like it. Um, okay, um, I, I yeah. by the way, I like the idea of the the cult of Sauron coup um, that their their whole thing be. Uh, I think part of their thing should be something about trying to preserve um, uh, their their heritage and their mm-hmm. culture. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that Precisely. and that Gandalf Gandalf and his faction should be perceived as as uh, cultural encroachment from Gondor. Mm-hmm. Right. Yes. Right. Right. Very yeah. much. And in fact, um, what one thing that I would really like to do is because we're going to have the, you know as you guys wanted the the other brother to to flee with Gandalf. Yeah. Right. He's going to be just the right age to be kind of a like a Palamedes figure mm-hmm. in uh, in Gondor mm-hmm. when uh, Thorondor is there, and so we can do like some. I would love to over the next few seasons gather a bunch of warriors in in Minas Tirith so that he can have like some Arthurian round table stories. Right. So. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Right, exactly. No, it would be really Thorin, fun to yeah. have. Did I say Thorondor? Um, yeah. Well, you know, it, it would be a little bit more dramatic if Thorondor came. Uh, yeah. Uh, well, Gondor, he's but... staring over your shoulder, so I yeah, guess, exactly. You know. Right. You gotta, you gotta, you gotta watch Thorondor there. Um, yeah. I went with my ominous Numenorean theme background uh, for this discussion here because uh, I was thinking of Black Numenorians. Um, yes. Yes. Ex- no. I, I love the idea of having the older brother involved in the Throngil, uh story because, and this answers. Um, uh, Michael's question. Um, was it Michael's question? Yes. How many generations how, elapsed? Yeah. How many generations elapsed between this and the War of the Ring? One, basically. Right? Well, one Numenorian. 
Well, yeah, I don't mean it's in the same. I mean, what like uh, this is. What are our dates? Years. Marie, I always need help with the dates. So we're we're less than seventy years, right? Okay, yeah. right, yeah, yeah. So, um, uh, so it is the, uh, it is the, it is the grandchildren of the, like the, the young brother, right? The 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 Sauron sympathizer brother. Uh, it, it's his grandchildren who are going to fight in the War of the Ring, basically. Yep. Okay, so one to two generations, basically. Okay, yeah. So that gives us some time, right, to move from this is, um, you know, a political movement which has strong ties to our history. um, And some changes are probably going to come along with it. But, you know, it's probably not going to be that big a deal to, you know. The barges will run on time. The barges will run on time. (laughs) Yes, they will. Yes, they will. Um, Yep. I think that 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 could definitely that could definitely work again, especially under the active supervision of the cult of Sauron to be, you know, they're going to have a whole program and being, you know, ultimately directed by Sauron and the Nazgul. This is, you know, they're they're all about the multi-generational campaign, uh, you know, in in bringing this together. Um, Sauron needn't be in a hurry about this kind of thing. Um now, uh, the um, more about the. So I'm looking back over the questions uh, on this uh, uh, slide, and I've hit upon one we didn't answer. More about the government uh, of the so like uh, about the queen and her role here. Um, I'm not thinking. Um, I think for the same reasons that I wasn't thinking of her as a kind of religious figure at all. Um, for that reason, I think I was not thinking of her as a sort of Eastern potentate kind of figure. I'm thinking of her as not exactly democratic either. I mean, her her line could be hereditary. Um, Head bureaucrat. Yeah, but have her be very much the the sort of well, again, Shire like, right? She's not mm-hmm. quite mayor, you know. She's not quite flower dumpling, but she's. Um, She's closer to the Will Whitfoot, the Will Whitfoot end of the political spectrum than she is to, you know, the Sultan uh, end of the mm. political is spectrum. She, is she like a more competent master of Lake Town figure, maybe? Um. Yeah, I don't. I don't. I don't think we want her to be. I feel resistant to having her be actually democratically elected, which no. Uh, well, I I mean I I don't remember yeah. there, there being any evidence of the master of Lake Town. Well, no, and he does say we've always chosen our leaders among. Oh, the, has it? The, okay. So, right. but and I don't yep. think it's democracy. I think it's probably right. merchant oligarchy. But um, right. yes. in Lake Town, that is. But uh, yes. uh, but anyway, but the reason the reason I want heredity is for two reasons. One, I want because I want that as a link to the past. Right. I, right. I want you know her to feel like like them to feel that it is their family's tradition, even if Master it's Master Buckland. Yeah. Um, and also the other reason that I want it to be hereditary is that I want there to be it seems it feels like it'll make more sense if the son has more of a presumption of inheritance. Yes. Right. That that that's no, that's I, an established thing. So we've been assuming that. So uh, yeah. Master Buckland or or the old Took, you know, the the Thane. The Thane. Yeah. The Shire. Yeah, yeah. Those are good examples. Yep. 
Yeah. Again, more Shire-like in the kind of hands-off governmental. I mean, she she's um, she would I mean, they would need to have somebody who oversees you know like the tax collection and the the you know I mean like that's you, you need bureaucracy to run a port like that you know right. and so she would be overseeing that. Um, but it would almost I could almost imagine her position being one almost more like public servant than ruler, really. Um, and she would be respected among the people because she does the work, you know, and she, you know, right. she and her people are making sure because nobody wants to do that. You know, nobody wants to be in charge of, you know, uh, levying the tolls and, 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 and you know, so she, she's repairing roads and, exactly. and docks exactly. and all that stuff. Yeah. Um, but as far as ruling you know as far as like making laws and you know they can have like a council of elders who you know is involved with you know judicial and legislative functions of the of the city she she wouldn't be in charge of either the judicial or the legislative functions of the city i wouldn't necessarily think um um she might have a say but i wouldn't see her as like a central kind of power in that way but of course this could be another way and this could be a lever that the mouth of Sauron would use with younger brother, yeah. right? To kind of restore the glory of their, like, basically he could be f- yes. get, being fed like, ah, yes, your line descends from the ancient days, but of course your ancestors ruled with power in this city uh, where you yeah. are, you know, but a, but a tax collector. Right. If they, so let's say that the city council is 100% against the cult of Sauron because it's like it's giving the people power mm-hmm. right it's mm-hmm. it, you know because they're getting they're getting really loud right and so the son will then be seen as a revolutionary figure right mm-hmm. who wipes out the council his his mother's off the table so he comes to power now with executive and legislative authority. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Where, where he didn't have that before. Yeah. It's really interesting. I mean, and of course not unknown, right. To sort of uh, ride a a sort of a popular revolt to, Mm -hmm. you know, a position of dictatorial authority. Um, uh, So, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so he establishes essentially. In a, so on the one hand, he's motivated essentially to reestablish a kind of more formal aristocracy. Like you know, he's right. he should be the kind of strong ruler that his ancestors always were, and yet he's this is also a, a you know a popular revolt, um, as the people are embracing the people who love Santa Claus are embracing Sauron, basically right. you know, and 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 following because. Sauron is the is the you know is the the the, the pro Christmas you know right faction. and this is why the queen has been tolerating the cult of Sauron this whole time because it's not worth pitting right antagonizing it's, it's the not people. worth pitting yeah. pitting yourself against that right 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 and she would not believe that it would that they that they would come to conflict right I mean she because Sauron's not back right. Like so, the mouth of Sauron's appearance is the first evidence that he that he's right. back, and is she really sure right. that he's exactly. back just because this lady shows up? And their society has been. She doesn't think that. I mean, she can't imagine the people turning against her and you know staging a coup. Like the people aren't going to do that. Like everyone's happy mm-hmm. there in the city, um, and it's not going to be until 
through the manipulation of the mouth of Sauron that and he can even use Gandalf essentially like basically Gandalf is the figure which the mouth of Sauron uses to mobilize the people Mm -hmm. right because he's now come in and he's corrupted the um, you know he's this foreign influence you know this foreign advisor who has come in and corrupted the queen and that's why she needs to be overthrown because you know it's not her it's him right so dream stories we need to tell up you know between now and the end of the season are the establishment of christmas with anatar santa claus the establishment of this council of oligarchs right yeah that are kind of uh running the day-to-day legislation running the legislation right like because she's running the day-to-day kind of bureaucratic structure right yeah She's she is she's chief sheriff and postmaster general, <laughs> right? I mean, it's like, and, oh, and she is Will Whitfoot. I changed my mind, right? Yeah, and figurehead because she lives yeah, up in the up in the castle, you know, yeah. on the thing. Yeah, right. The Christmas Revolt of Harad. That's it. I love it. That's it. Yeah, I love it. And again, like for her to be, especially at the beginning, this is why I, 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 I when I, when we're doing the casting, I said that I want. Um, I want the queen to be a generously proportioned woman. Um, I want her to be like the mother figure of the city, right? Mm-hmm. And that should be the feel of it at the beginning, right? And right. she is beloved, again, not unlike Will Woodfoot is beloved, right? She's, and, right. And, and, and respected, but with that particular kind of respect, not the, like, rev, you know, real fear or reverence, right? But um, But with affection, and yet... When things begin to turn, when people begin to believe that she is, you know, she's been basically she's the cultist, right? She's the one who has been um, corrupted by, you know, this northern uh, 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 fringe yeah, fanatic. She welcomes Inkanu with open arms. Inkanu, sorry. There, so there's yeah. this Inkanus guy who's like to the people. In Kanus, Gandalf looks like some kind of Rasputin figure, almost, right? Like he's mm-hmm. this this alien uh, uh, sorcerer figure who's come in and he's ensorcelled the queen, and 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 now he and now he's going to ban Christmas, uh, and he's you know he's he's gonna he's and this is okay, if there could be any more obvious uh, evidence that he's uh, completely undermining and corrupting their culture, yeah. you know what else could it be? You don't want to be on the side of the war against Christmas. I, you don't I'm here want to tell you. you don't. Yeah, yeah. And he's gonna, he's gonna, he's telling them they can't have. So it, it's got to be almost Christmas, by the way. That's easy enough, right? Like the the, the mm-hmm. celebration is the celebration in the Temple of Sauron, right? So like mm-hmm. the the um, the. I mean, we could even. I mean, so all all we need is some references to like they could be starting to decorate the Temple of Sauron, yeah. right? You know, we're already decking the halls there in uh, uh, in the old temple. I don't know what we deck them with exactly, but we, 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 we you know, halls need to be decked. That's all I'm saying. Uh, so we're decking the halls with something and we're preparing for the Christmas celebration. Christmas in heart. This is great. I love it. I love it. So, so it's funny. Um, Haringill, uh, who has uh, drawn a lot of maps for us in, in the past, he, he commented on uh, kind of we uh, Marie put out a synopsis of of the frame story thus far, and he's like, "I'll tell you, this story makes me really uncomfortable because like there are so many really fiddly like political and um, 
and religious and cultural bits to it. And I'll tell you, like, if if this frame story can make every person of every political and religious stripe uncomfortable, uncomfortable. yes, <laughs> I will feel like we have done it perfectly. We, we, we've done it exactly right. Yes, yes, everybody like, should be uncomfortable. Ugh. Yep. Ugh. yep. Like, like, yep. like, you should see things that you believe in and push for in the bad guys. <laughs> motives and motivations keep keep soured in christmas sorry i just I, i'm still loving that campaign yeah <laughs> yeah 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 oh man it just it way, gets that, so much that's gotta go on a t-shirt <laughs> keep souring in christmas <laughs> yeah yeah hey we can do that now we, we can do that yes we can do that i will i will i will suggest something along these it would be it would be kind of a niche product in the in the signum store but we can make it happen uh, <laughs> Yeah, uh, I'll, I'll take two. Um. <laughs> yeah, no, I like it. I like it. Um, yeah, yeah. Um, but uh, no, it's there's so and again, and it just this one of the things that I love about this whole element of what we've developed here is that it makes like the uh, the angle of the mouth of Sauron writes itself. Like it's so easy now to imagine that was that was one of the harder things, right? Like, how do you bring in like kind of creepy street preacher whom like like how do you like how do we sh- especially given how little time we have to show anything, right? How do you show him gaining a foothold, right? Um, but if he's coming in and it's seasonal, right? Like it's like we're getting towards you know Haradrim Christmas and it's, it's that uh, time of year again. It's that time of year and he comes in and he like t- tells awesome stories about you know about Sauron and you know about Anatar and and uh and which you know and he's helping them recover their culture like like let's make this a Christmas to remember you know and uh and 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 we're going to oh and we're going to do new, and he can tell them like as their deck you know like normally they do like a, a little bit of stuff cuz they do have their celebrations there in the temple right and they have their feasts and stuff like that and he's encouraging right. that yeah. like there's a route there's a parade route where they right. carry the the anatar statue and, <laughs> no, and then no. they sit it right in the altar <laughs> oh, oh, of man. the ancient temple which oh. of course has no significance no, it has significance. no significance that has it's no just, significance it, that's just the place it's what you do yeah yeah it's what yeah. it's what you do um yeah, and uh, Maria's cautioning us that we should remember that it's a bad idea to be on the wrong side of the war against Christmas. <laughs> yeah. Um, no, but I agree. Yeah, absolutely. And But see, he's going to come in. The mouth of Sauron comes in. Um, and wait, hang on a second. We, did we have the mouth of Sauron be female? We did, didn't we? Yes. I've been yeah. saying he, and that's an accident. Sorry. She comes in, and she's able to, like, tell them stories and be like, let me, like, she's, she's like cultural enrichment, right? You know, she's this like... Is- this is what cements the young younger brother's position as the mouth of Sauron because he becomes <laughs> the head of the cult of Sauron in Farharad. Yes. Uh, yes. Sunday school is what did it. <laughs> well, you know, it's the, the you know, the, 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 it's the recover it's the cultural recovery, right? Yeah. It's the getting yeah. in touch with their yeah. roots. I do. I do love the idea that that the Farad, that, that our Harad frame story is boiling down to to culture wars. Uh, yeah. So. Yeah. No. I mean, it's it's it was always going to be right. It was always going to be. Yeah, but no, yeah. man. Yeah. Who? Yeah. Boy. Marie. Marie. I'm not going to be careful. I'm going to wear my Keep Sauron and Christmas T-shirt <laughs> in the streets of Lynchburg, Virginia, and it's going to be awesome. 
I will. Oh, I, man. I, I, I look forward to it. I can't yeah. wait. This is spectacular. Um, yeah. Now, of course, like, keep in mind, we're, we're still using Christmas metaphorically here people right we're not actually talking about christmas we're talking about we're talking we're talking about a cultural parallel to christmas and we're calling it christmas in our discussion here as a as a heuristic right as a as a as a placekeeper for whatever it is the cultural ceremony that they have which is in fact not going to look much like christmas except i like the gifts to children thing that should uh, giving your children mm-hmm. gifts on this. gifts gifts the giving of yeah. gifts yeah little little little, little tin rings oh oh oh, man yes oh oh man you just no 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 (laughs) there's a young boy who gets the most beautiful young boy in all the city instead of a statue (laughs) is the one sitting on the throne and he has a bag of little tin rings that he just throws out as he goes throws out the rings yeah yeah, and everybody, uh, everybody. So, so, so you're saying that like the little the the tin rings that everybody wears, maybe you wear a lot of them. Like, so, so now we're, we're doing Mardi Gras too. <laughs> so it's Christmas and Mardi Gras roll into one <laughs> in the streets of Arad. Oh man, yeah. No, yeah. actually, I do like I do like the like really pretty twelve year old boy. Instead of the statue bit, though, like right. he's Anatar for the day. So it's like a pageant. It's like a pageant. Yeah. 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 Well, he's chosen well in advance, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah, 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 yeah. 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 Sure. Yeah. Oh, man. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And the food. I mean, oh, man. Like, it's going to be an amazing food holiday, right? Yeah. Yeah, I guess oh, wait, now, so, so, now, 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 now. Of course, I've got Mardi Gras in my head. Too. I'm, I'm, this, this is me busily combining Mardi Gras and Christmas. Now, sorry, go ahead. I'm Dave. like, a... I'm like imagining curried sea bass for some reason. I don't know why. <laughs> why not? Why not? Can oh, we, uh, can we, uh, at some future myth moot, can we celebrate this holiday? <laughs> you know. <laughs> talk about making people uncomfortable. Uh, yeah, and then we can talk about the ancient Sauronic roots of this uh, of this of this ceremony, right? Yeah, yeah. Curried uh, sea bass well, is the cur- thing. Curried sea bass. Yeah. <laughs> do we? So do we think? Uh, do we think the the cult and the coup uh, are drawing their support um, predominantly from uh, younger Varadrum? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, but I think I mean really this is going to be cross generation because this is going to have gone on for generations, yeah, I think you're right. right? Yeah, I think you're but, right. But, I think yeah, I mean, but certainly, certainly, you know, it's the it's, loudest ones yeah. are, or maybe there'll be are, are a circle young. of like, yeah, a circle of like, like the feisty, like maybe the sort of the older, the older Varadrum will be kind of the grumpier, just you know, they're the ones that are grumbling about how everything's changing. But it'll be like this, this circle of young Haradrim around. Um, We've already around shown them the young, around yeah. Faramir, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Who are the radicals? Well, and and here's the. I would think that one of the cultural divides, one of the natural cultural divides in the kind of city and the kind of economy that we've been talking about, right? There are going to be like the merchant oligarchs, essentially, who are going to be the ruling council. Um, um, the uh, the the uh, uh, very Lake Town like, right? You know, 
up with the Bowman, down with money bags is going to be something like what 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 we're going to be getting. So they are going to be they're not going to be as invested, right? The um, the ceremony, right? The, this whole Mardi Gras Christmas celebration um, uh, um, is going to be. I mean, the, the the tax collectors don't care, right? I mean, they celebrate it. Like, they go along with it. They're fine with it. But it's not really, like, they're not the ones carrying floats and, and you know, catching rings which they put on their fingers, right? Um, it's so, going to be primarily the people. It's going to be the fishermen. It's going to be the it's going to be the farmers. It's going to be the weavers. It's going to be, um, you know, the common people. And those are going to be the ones both who are going to, whom the Faramir character is going to have the connection with and who are going to rise up. Um, ultimately, and throw down the money bags, including his mom. So Marie asks, "Do any of the oligarchs betray the queen inside with the rebellion?" And I swear, I read it as, "Do any of the oliphants <laughs> betray the queen?" <laughs> well, wait, wait, what? Oh, wait, hang on a second. I, I forgot though. We need at least. Uh, we still have to have because we cannot possibly do this frame without having Gandalf riding a white oliphant. That's got to happen at some point, we're, right? We're we, it's that's a high priority. We're working yeah. on it. Okay, good. Yeah, yeah, that's got to be that's got to be crucial. But it's too bad because, of course, oliphants <clears throat> taking part in the like procession would be natural, but Gandalf would not be part of the ceremony. I mean, he would be he would be Gandalf would be like the you know. The Oliver Cromwell of that particular Christmas ceremony, especially when it's being led by the priestess figure, you know the Mount the no, Mount of Sauron. He steals the white elephant that the, the traditional white elephant is supposed to ride on. The, yeah, and, that's, that's he throws the, the rings from the top. The, of the, the older son, yeah, like crash, like make a crash escape with it on the white, on elephant, the white elephant, followed by the by the other elephants behind them. Right. And this is this is an outrage to the people. This is one of the tipping yes. points, right? Because here he's gone well, and this wrecked. Is, this is after the coup. Because like they, the they, they're not oh, going to make the a run for it oh, before right. then. Yeah. Right. So he so he, he escapes on the ceremonial elephant is what you're saying. Yes. Okay. As right. just like a like a like a fine be that way kind of gesture. Right. I thought you were talking about Gandalf actually ruining the parade, um, but that might be too strong, perhaps. <laughs> A nice, a nice moment of levity, a comedy scene of Gandalf uh, um, causing the, 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 totally disrupting the parade. Yeah, yeah. Okay. No, I got it. I'm following. I'm tracking with the, with the, the final, the final scene or the, you know, the final episode. Gandalf escaping by white elephant. I, I also, I love, I like, I like the idea now that Gandalf's arrival is, um, uh, it, it'll become apparent pretty quickly. That it's ill-fated, yes. Because he, he 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 plays right into their hands. He's he he gets immediately branded as a you know a representative of the like the imperialists from the north. Mm -hmm. Yep, yep, absolutely. Because I would think their relationship with Gondor would be pretty. I mean, the corsairs are between them and Gondor, so their relationship with Gondor. Mm -hmm. I mean, which in other words, the Gondorians don't go a lot further south, and you know they don't, they don't get past the corsairs very much. So they wouldn't. So they wouldn't have much direct interaction with the Gondor, but they'd know about them, right? They would they would right, certainly yeah. have heard about them. They would consider them historical oppressors, though. Historical oppressors, yep. um, who they were fortunate that they never made it down this far, 
right? I mean, they almost mm-hmm. made it down this far, yep. but not quite as far as this. That's um, the that's the story the Corsairs have been telling. We're protecting you. They're protecting from you from the uh, from Gondor, yeah. right? Yeah, exactly. You you have us to thank that you're not you know that that you're not a, a subject kingdom now. Yes, yes. Um, yeah, so it's not about so, Gondor diminishing. It's about the Corsairs doing a better and better job as time goes on, right? As far as uh, as far as their their propaganda goes. So Marie's pointing out that our original thought was that um, Gandalf got here on a Gondorian trade ship. I don't think that that's impossible for that to have happened. No. Um, the the like this guy prob- that captain probably had to pay that has to pay off. You know the people of Umbar, oh, yeah, but it's probably the textiles that you can get from this particular city. I'm thinking the corsairs. Again, I think the corsairs are are still shady. Like, I mean, I think that yeah. the corsairs are still not a pleasant culture, um, right? Even pre-return of Sauron. If there is right. a group of folks who are ready to the hand of Sauron when he returns, it's the corsairs. I'm thinking. But um, mm-hmm. because, again, they're they're ready to sign up for anybody that's going to help give them leverage against Gondor because they're still bearing the most they're still bearing the most active grudge uh, uh, there. So, you know, I would think that maybe. But again, this needn't be much more than a beginning part of the conversation with the Gondorian captain that we were talking about in the first scene. Um, not many Gondorian ships come down this far. Mm-hmm. Right? I mean, it's it's not unheard of, but it's unusual for them to come he down could be he could even be a smuggler like as soon as he gets out of sight of land he pull, he hauls up the flag of umbar and just doesn't you right. Know. right he doesn't have to be a gondorian patriot uh necessarily right. yeah because i would think that the, the 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 seas around umbar would not be safe for gondorian um uh merchant ships even now even before the return of sauron i mean not not without having to to pay people off Significant like, like, pay people because it's yeah. obviously it's easier to collect tribute than it is to, you know, actually engage in a battle. Right, it is. Though seizing vessels is more profitable than taking tribute to if 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 you can back it up, which I think they can. Right. Again, I think the corsairs control the, the ocean there. Right. Um, but anyway, yeah, but but yes, that uh, um, I mean this uh, the act of his. Um, you know, raising uh, the flag of Umbar could be would be a talking point between him and Gandalf, right? right to explain about where they're going and and what's going on there. So, sure. Mm-hmm. Yep, yep. Um, yes, yeah. Marie, exactly. Corsairs are pirates by definition, so they do have to make efforts to get by Umbar. That's just that's just. I mean, it would not be safe waters for a Gondorian yeah. trade ship, but a resourceful Gondorian captain who's willing to, um, you know, th- there would be certainly profit in him going down yeah. and coming back with textiles from this city. Um, he could turn a fine profit, uh, you know, in Dol Amroth or, uh, or, or Minas Tirith if he is able yeah. to do it. I'd be willing to bet that there's not like a thriving linens right. um, trade in, right. in in like the part of Middle Earth that we know of, right, right, the, like it's not a good, it's not a fantastic climate for it, right, right, yeah, yeah. very wet, exactly, exactly. So yeah, no, I think that's, I think that works. All right, I think we've like solved all the problems. Haven't we solved all the problems? I think we're pretty well, we're pretty well done. And we haven't like worked through all the details of the plot, um, 
but uh, but that's okay. You guys can work through all the details of the plot. I got that. I mean, I think we have yeah. it sort of sketched, and we have a bunch of memorable scenes. The Christmas, yeah. the the fat Christmas parade, for instance. Um, yes. Uh, yeah. The temple. With the temple. Yeah. At yeah. least, at least one. There has to be at least one on-screen meal with curried sea bass. <laughs> curried sea bass. There we go. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. So. It- I'll, I'll tell you. So the the thing I love about the the Christmas parade mm-hmm. is that it it it's it's uncomfortable for both the people who are like hardcore, like you know, fighting the war the war on the side of Christmas, and also it's uncomfortable for people who are like, but all cultures are wonderful and beautiful and amazing, yes. and it's like. I agree. No, there's there's nobody. You're right. I, I totally agree with you that nobody should be comfortable with this frame. <laughs> I think I think we've succeeded in alienating everyone, which is pretty much what TV yeah. shows go for usually, isn't it? Right to be equally offensive to yeah. almost everyone. Right. I mean, it depends. Yeah. Like, are you are you writing the sequel trilogy for Star Wars? Is that the plan? <laughs> I, I don't mean offensive in that way, uh, but yeah, no, I, I get you. I, I get you. Okay. Well, cool. No, this is great. Okay. So that was fantastic. Well, next time uh, in session number 26 of season five, uh, we will be back to the plot. So we'll be discussing episode five. So I think we got through everything but the frame story. So we'll need to return to the, the plots from the frame, uh, catch up on some of the flame, the, the exact frame plots, which of course we've now set up. Uh, beautifully, um, and and then we get into episode five. So little little spoiler uh, is episode five. This is is this our next uh, our next Haleth episode? Yes. Okay. Yeah, so this we've is got none the, the right. The Haladin on the move is where we're headed next time. Mm-hmm. And awesome. uh, Galadriel meets the men right. who will oh, be of the house the of Haleth. The unfriendship Adwar. of the green elves is where we're going next time. Oh, good, good. Excellent, fantastic. That'll be that'll be fun. Okay, so we're we're gonna get Galadriel and Celeborn on on uh, on their honeymoon. We're gonna get the unfriendship of the Green Elves. We're gonna get the March of the Haladin. Um, fantastic. That's gonna be awesome. Cool. Uh, very good. Well, thank you everybody for joining us. This has been a, a really fun session. Uh, thank you, Nick and, and and Dave. That was a great discussion. I think we did a, a lot of good work, especially if you consider being offensive to almost everybody. Good work and. Um, <laughs> and uh, anyway, uh, this was this was fantastic. So I will say, as always, thanks for listening and Godspeed.